In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast and today we are talking about kind of the opposite of what we normally talk about and that is how to end a training session. And actually how to end a training session, that is really, really important because ending a training session can be really punishing for your dog. Actually, sometimes it's even punishing for for you. Like I find that quite hard to end a session some days. And, And that's very interesting that you say that because actually... Uh, there's there's one thing that I think we have to talk about in this, and it's probably the most damaging bit of dog training advice out there, and that is when people tell like, you end on something yeah. good, end on something right. And sometimes so as a result of the setup or you just pitched it, the session slightly wrong, there there isn't a right, there isn't a good to end on. And so what you try and do is you, you're like, repeat, 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 repeat. It goes bad, 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 bad. And then at some point you're like, okay, I'm just going to give up. And so actually, you know, if things aren't going right, just give your dog something, a long lasting chew. Okay, go away, back to the drawing board and revisit it. That is the way to do it. Don't tr- don't try and force ending on something good. I got so much better at this, at just sort of picking them up, popping them back in the crate or mm. popping them back home or yeah. popping them back mm. in. That was interesting. In the field. And I'm like, mm, good information. Mm. Uh, and I'll look at Matt and I'll giggle or I'll sort of uh, shake my head or mm. I'm like, I just need to think about that one for a minute. Mm. But I'm better off having popped them away than trying to rep for another good round. And I'll give you an example. I Obviously, those of you know that I I train agility. uh, And I was doing a seesaw with one of my dogs recently, a young dog. And we're working on seesaw work. And I got to the end of the seesaw and she kind of like walked the last bit. And I was like, I don't really like that. I want them to race Mm. up it. I want them to run. I want it to be super fun. And so rather than repeat it again to get better, mm-hmm. I said, we're going to leave it three days. Mm-hmm. And that used to be like a completely different yeah. mentality. I'd have been like, let's and keep repeating, repeating, repeating until we get better. But actually yeah. often you get poorer quality Absolutely. Behaviors. And in fact, something that's really common in the horse world, but I bet it's there in the dog world as well, is I'm training my young horse to jump. And um, I had a different instructor because I thought it'd be interesting to get another opinion on this. And this particular instructor did everything in threes. Okay. <laughs> but even if it was bad. So it would be like, he's just crashed through that jump. Right, let's do it again. Right, And I realized after a while that she was just doing everything in In threes, threes, even when it was not going right. And I was like, that's interesting information of where I'm going to get advice. And I'm just going to teach this myself. Um, And I did, it went well. And um, and I think sometimes we've got to be adaptable and flexible in ending our session and and they you know sometimes ending a session is actually not anything to do with what the dog's doing it's actually because we need a moment we need to think we need to reevaluate this and that's totally fine that's great in fact 
And I think being able to have the discipline and the strength and the courage of giving it a bit of time is actually, uh, I think that's quite a big growth area. Mm. It's definitely a growth area for me to go, I'm not going to repeat this right now. Mm. That I wonder what would happen if I do it again. Probably the same. Or worse. (laughs) Or worse, let's be honest, worse. And so whether that's a slow cease or whether that's a poor recall or whether that's your dog lunging at the end of the lead, Mm -hmm. doesn't really matter which. They all have a similar outcome, which is the behavior deteriorates on number of repetitions Mm. once the dog's dog's gone past a point of of really having some good learning. And I think that's what it comes down to. It's actually knowing how many reps, uh, the type of learning, uh, what you're up to, what you're doing, at what point you're doing. I think it's it's important, actually, to acknowledge all of these. Let's talk about the session's gone, you know, gone well or not. How do we end the session? And I think the key is that it shouldn't be punishing to our dogs. What we want them to see this as is we're moving from one activity to another activity. And that other activity might be calming down, might be chilling out, might be relaxing, might be having a long lasting chew, might be having a scatter feed in the garden, right? The key is that it's not about ending and it going, you know, cold turkey. Instead, it's actually we're moving from this to that and they are both good and i think uh to give you a very, very practical example i was out in the field we were filming a day here mm-hmm. um at the center only a few weeks ago mm. maybe tom with easy yeah easy when she can get out in the big field can kind of like the big field mm-hmm. and she gets very excited about being in the big field and she loves training she loves filming she mm-hmm. loves the crowds she yeah. loves what we do yeah uh, she's a perfect dog for um for being out there and when I go to take her away, you can see how it's kind of like a little child leaving a soft mm-hmm. play center. Mm-hmm. Or um, uh, um, I sat at a table, I probably shouldn't tell a personal story, but I sat at a table recently. Um, uh, Liza's little cousin, my niece, uh, was sat there with Eliza at 7.30. Her bedtime is 7.30. And she sat at the table and uh, she was having a lovely evening. And her mum came down and she said, it's bedtime now, Heidi. And Heidi literally looked at her mum and she's like, I'm hungry. <laughs> in that moment, she wasn't hungry. She wanted to stay at the table. She took her up to bed and that, oh my goodness, I've never heard anything like Emotion it. Emotion explosion. Wow. <laughs> and, and yet, if I think about how I would, and I'm not saying we should train our children like our dogs, but we all handle things differently. For me, when I move them, I try to move them in a way that it's an activity. So mm-hmm. we're moving to another activity. So easy goes from the field and I could easily have that moment of explosion with mm-hmm. her, which would be, wouldn't obviously be crying, but it'd be mm. running around the field or legging it to the other corner or lying down mm. or hiding under something. And um, for easy, it's like we're going to do a scatter yeah. and we're going to have a filled bone or we're going to play middle on the move the whole mm. way back and then I'm going to yeah. scatter you. So she goes from activity to activity and we make it a very, very practical exercise. And I try not to have to put her on lead or a head collar or a harness if I don't need to, because I know that that also can be mm. seen as an end and of a game. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, we've got to also think about like the arousal level, like an, another very similar example to the one that Lauren just described is when Bet does a whip it demo, transitioning from the whip it location to the vehicle requires Thought. skill. Thought. <laughs> Definitely. And so, you know, if I were to say right now, I'm just going to pop you on lead and we're just going to calmly walk back to the car. I mean, to be honest, now Bet could do that because she's got the skills. But in the early days, that couldn't have happened. Well, let's say Casino. Oh, Casino right. definitely couldn't do no. that right now. No, right? no, no. Like, you just The skills are not there. And so we have to think, right, well, How what would be we a, help? a similar but different activity that would be a step down from the one that she just did? Just one step. And maybe it's chasing food from side and to side. How can we help them? How can we help their brains to actually understand that this isn't a bad deal mm. I think ultimately you've got to look at it is how do I make this a better deal for them because you can see this is a, a punishing experience to leave somewhere so fantastic yeah. and what a joy that your dog wants to be somewhere so fantastic now similar example let's think about a walk 
how do you end the walk? How do you end the game? How do you end the concept of um, having great engagement and having great play? Well, actually, you carry it through. Mm. You carry it through to your lead. You carry it through to the car. You carry it through to getting in and out of the car. You play some in and out of the car games. Mm. I think that's ultimately what it is. It's transitioning from game to game to game to game and not the end. Yeah. Um, I don't think you want to make it the end good night. Mm. Um, and when you do want to make it the end good night, you're in your crate. And I think by that point, they have had so many different interactions You've, that actively yeah. they're looking for that. Exactly. And you've done step by step if your dog needs you know needs that step by step so it might be if we go with crazy arousal you know chasing a whip toy to chasing bits of food to maybe um, being fed bits of food to your mouth at my side as I walk with a, a brisk pace to having your lead on to placing bits of food on the ground which if we'd done that First of all, they wouldn't have been able to even think about the ground. To then, maybe can we hop into the vehicle, out of the vehicle, into the vehicle? Brilliant. Can you can you acknowledge that this chew that I've got in my hand exists? Amazing, you can. Can I pop that in, in the crate with you? Amazing, you're chewing it. I'm closing the door. Really nice job. But there were steps there. It wasn't, uh, okay, right, into the crate there's your chew because they're not going to eat that chew and that's one of the common things that we get told is you know you you talk about long-lasting chews but my dog just doesn't isn't interested in it well probably they're not in the 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 arousal level that they can even acknowledge that that chew exists or that it has a taste or that you're meant to chew on it right and so how can we get them there that probably means we need to implement some more strategies so Ultimately, guys, the most important thing is that we don't make the end of our sessions punishing. And actually, we're more thoughtful about being able to end a training session. It's not something that we want you to do in a rush or in a hurry. Mm -hmm. This is something that we really want you to consider way before you actually end the training session, possibly even before you start the training session, because then you've got a bit of a plan. You know where you're going and you know exactly uh, how you're going to implement it before the dog ever gets involved. Yeah. I remember being very inexperienced with my very first dog, Poppy, uh, for things like this. And I would get the lead out and she would leg it in the other direction and sometimes even chase a dog because she was just like, we are going home. Mm. I have got better things to do. Him over there, he looks like trouble. I am after him. Yeah. I am the dog police. And you can almost trigger the opposite of the effect that you want, which is um, an end of a lovely session and get like a real sort of firework at the end mm-hmm. of your session if you don't really pre-plan, uh, pre-think yeah. and pre-do. So with that, you've got some homework and that is, let's think about what would be the perfect end of a training session for you and your dog. What's it, that picture look like? It's going to vary from session to session, but let's just have a little think about that. Let us know email in, send us a a message to the Facebook page. We will see you in the next podcast. And in the meantime, remember, stay Stay sexy. Stop right there, Game Changer. We have something very exciting to tell you about if you struggle with stressful walks right now. So pulling, your dog yanking your arm out of its socket, just basically it's painful, right? Now, it's a struggle that you want to transform. You want to go from pulling on lead like a train to loose leash walking prince or princess, and we've got a solution for you. It is just £27. It's a mini course that literally is going to be your zero to hero 
hero of loose leash walking. Day by day, we're going to be showing you the games and skills and strategies that you are going to need to implement to transform your dog's leash behavior in the next two weeks. This is a complete package. You get to keep it for life. Yes, for life. And it's just £27 to you. Access it anywhere, keep it for live, no equipment required, and all you've got to do is go to absolutedogs.me forward slash stop pulling. And yes, it is just £27, game changers. 